0: The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Amen. Well, my name is Jared Clary. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm over students and missions, and so that's where I spend the majority of my time. Today, I am actually getting the privilege to take off and fly to Africa right after this service, and so I will be in Nairobi, Kenya, and in Kigoma, Tanzania uh, for the next Couple days, and so I would appreciate your all's prayers and love uh, that and uh, your care for my family. And so, thank you guys for always being so faithful in that. Today is a really exciting day. We've had baptisms, we've got uh, Orphan Sunday, which the rest of the nation may celebrate next week, but for us, we're going to celebrate it today. And so, uh, it is Orphan Sunday for us. And then, also with that, is we've got a celebration that we're going to have. And so, as we look at the scriptures, we're going to be in Mark chapter 9, if you've got your Bible. And we're going to look in the verses from 33 to 37. But throughout the scriptures, as you read the Gospels, there's this there's this interaction of Jesus with children that that is so incredible. And his disciples continue to mess it up. They just always are a little annoyed with the children, I think, as some of us may get at times. They're like, ah, these kids, they're just everywhere, right? Like, they just get everywhere. And uh, so the disciples are always like, shoo. And Jesus is always like, let them come, let them come. And so Jesus always shows this incredible value upon children and the importance of them being around, even for the teaching, for the importance of their discipleship, for the picture that they are, that Jesus uses them as a picture or a symbol of faith that's necessary For salvation, he also uses them as a picture or an example of humility that's necessary for those who follow Jesus. And so he uses children in this incredible way and elevates them to to their rightful place. And so we as a church are trying to follow that that we want to elevate children to their rightful place, that they're valuable, that they are indeed an important part of our body, that we can learn from them, but that also we have a job as a church to train and equip them. And so Rebecca's going to come, and she's going to share just a little bit about a milestone that we just celebrated and uh, just kind of let everybody know about that milestone and the celebration of it for a little recognition. Good
1: morning. Good morning. Um, Like you said, we had um, an event Friday night that was part of our milestone map. Um, As a church, we do want to value children, and we want to equip them. um, And we understand our role as the church, but we also understand the role of parents. And so parents are the primary disciple-makers of their children. That doesn't give the church the right to just step away, but it gives us the role of equipping parents. And so um, this milestone map is the opportunity for us as a church to highlight different seasons in a child's life and note an opportunity during that season for discipleship. And so for this milestone, third grade, we had some fourth and fifth graders as well join us. Um, Kids are reading independently, and as they start to build that love of reading, we want them to also build the healthy habit of time in God's Word, reading their Bibles. And so Friday night, we just talked about Um, the importance of reading your Bible, different uh, resources that we could recommend and help, and then we challenged parents just to protect and prioritize Bible time for their children. And so um, we had a crew there Friday night. I think we have a picture. And if anybody here in the room was there Friday night, I'm going to ask you to stand, whether you were a kid, a parent, a grandparent. If you were there, go ahead and stand up. We just want to celebrate. Come on. Stand up. We just want to celebrate these families and their desire to train up children and the children's desire to seek the Lord. And so y'all stay standing. I want to say a quick prayer for y'all. Um, and again, just, you know, encourage you in this step. All right, y'all pray with me. Dear Lord, um, I just thank you so much for your word and the fact that it is living and that it can change hearts, God. Um, And we pray that as these kids open your word, that you would speak to them, you would reveal yourself to them, and that their hearts would be changed. And so I pray for them as they start um, having these quiet times, just that they would continue to hunger and desire more of your word. And I pray for these parents and grandparents that uh, you will just equip them with wisdom and discernment and how to help their children build this habit and how to promote it and encourage it and just cheer them on as they seek you, God. And so we ask just that you bless this season of reading your word and that um, these kids would grow up to walk closely with you, Lord. As a church, I pray that you just help us continue to walk alongside these families as they disciple these children and as we assist them and pour into these little lives as well. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, Rebecca, thank you for the leadership in that and for guiding us and teaching us. She uh, used an illustration of a toothbrush of like that we daily brush our teeth and as parents we teach our kids to brush their teeth and we need to do the same with the Word of God that we've got to train them and teach them even when they go, I don't want to, even when they say they did and their teeth are still yellow and we're like, go do it again. It's like, I like that one. I'm like, no, you're still acting crazy, kid. Go read your Bible again, right? Like, that it was just an incredible encouragement for us. If you don't have one of those milestone maps or the bookmark that tells about those milestone maps, then, then we'd encourage you to get one. They're out here in the foyer. They're in the children's area as well. But those milestones are so important. We see that also throughout the Scripture, that, that God gave Israel these commands to set up stones of remembrance, which were these little places of milestones to say, hey, remember what God did? Remember what God called you to? And that he also gave them festivals to say, hey, remember what I did? Remember what I've called you to? And so Orphan Sunday is also that for us. That it says, hey, remember what I've done? Remember my heart for the fatherless? For the, the those who are needy? Remember what I've called you to as a church? As I was thinking about this and preparing this, then it was just so encouraging to think through. And I see faces out here of of how you as a church body are doing this. And it's so encouraging to say, these people are in Crisis pregnancy center, or these people are working with CASA, or these people are the, the friendship house, or these people are going to this, and these people are doing that, or these people are in foster care, or these people are walking through that process, or these people have adopted. And, and just the, the overwhelming way that Norris Ferry really lives out God's heart for the helpless, the fatherless, the orphan. And it's, it's such an encouragement, but even in that, I think it's always helpful for us to come back and to say, what is God's heart? Why do I do this? God, kindle my heart again that this would never become just bland, it would never become just routine, but that as we live out our Christian faith, that we would reflect God's heart in all areas of life. So let's pray and we'll jump into this. God, thank you so much for your word and just for the exciting things that you're doing here at Norse Ferry. Lord, through baptisms, through um, what you're doing in, in the equipping of parents, Lord, through what you're doing in and through our members in the community, Lord, you are so faithful to use broken vessels to shine the glory of who you are. God, and we're thankful for that. Lord, we pray that as we dive into your word, Lord, you might stir our hearts once again. That you might kindle a new fire in our heart. Lord, that we might live in such a way that the world sees who you are. Lord, would you do it in us and through us for your glory and for our good. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So our text this morning... What I want us to do is I want us to see two perspectives of how we can relate to children. Orphan Sunday adoption, orphan care is something that's very near and dear to my heart. The Lord kindled my heart for this as I saw faithful members of the church I grew up in live it out. And God began to kindle my heart. And as I heard God's word preached about his heart for the the fatherless, then I began to to see and to hear and God stirred up a passion in me that that for my wife and I has just become a lifelong thing. That that we love this and, and God continues to break my heart. You're probably going to see some emotion today because it's something that's very near and dear to my heart. But but what I want us to see is that there's a perspective shift that has to happen in us. And so the book of Mark is laid out. It's one of my favorites. And, and the first eight chapters of Mark show that they're asking this question, who is the Messiah? Who is this one who is promised? Who is this Jesus who was promised? Who is it? And Mark chapter 8 happens and Peter declares that you are the Christ. So Peter gives us the answer in Mark 8 that Jesus is the promised one, that, that Jesus is the Messiah who we've been waiting for, that you are the Christ. And so the shift happens in Mark 8 of then we get the question of like, so what kind of Messiah is he? And Jesus very quickly says, and yes, I'm the Messiah who's going to suffer and die. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. That he's going to be a suffering Messiah. He's going to be a suffering servant. And Peter's like, whoa, time out. No, no, no. No, you're going to come and rule and reign. Like, this is the Messiah we've been waiting for is going to usher in this kingdom. And Jesus very quickly says, no, my kingdom is different. My kingdom doesn't function like the kingdom of this world. My kingdom has a different perspective. And he flips it on his head. And he's like, I'm going to come and I'm going to suffer and be beaten and be crucified for your sake and for the sins of the world. And that's how I'm going to bring in my kingdom. And that's where Peter, he just says no. And Jesus responds and says, get behind me, Satan. And so we're like, whoa. From you're the Messiah to get behind me, Satan, this, this transaction. And it's all because of this perspective of what is the kingdom of God like. And so Jesus continues that. His disciples still don't get it. Mark 9.30, Jesus has just told them again. In verse 31, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. And they will kill him. And then... And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they didn't understand the saying, and they were afraid to ask him. So they still don't get the right perspective of how Jesus' kingdom is different from the kingdom that they're thinking. And so we see that again here in verse 33. Let's read our text. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent. For on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and he called the twelve and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and he put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So let's go back and, and look at this, these perspectives. So Jesus Talking with his disciples, he knows they've been walking, they're in Capernaum now, and he's like, hey, what were you guys talking about? And they're like, shh. Well, they've been talking about which one of them is the greatest. Now, I know as the youngest child that the youngest in the family is the greatest. (laughs) Once mom and dad hit perfection, they stopped. Right? I mean, it makes sense. Like. You're the youngest. Mom and dad hit perfection. They stop. So you're the greatest. Like the youngest in the family is the greatest. Now, my son, who's the oldest, might disagree with me, but but they're arguing about who's the greatest. Can you just imagine? It's like, well, he called me first. Yeah, but I left more. And and I'm always the one that that's in the inner circle. Like y'all get left out. Yeah, dude, you fell asleep. Like you can you imagine just the arguments of it's like, yeah, but I stepped out of the boat. You know, it's like, who's the greatest? And they're arguing about it. And Jesus knows. But what's really interesting about this text is that as we look at it, Jesus sets down and he calls the 12 to him. And he doesn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. There's no rebuke for wanting to be great. But there's a perspective shift that has to happen. Their desire for greatness is great. But Jesus instructs them. He says, if anyone would be first. Hey, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, it's different. You got to be last of all and servant of all. Hey, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you don't get there by stepping on other people. You get there by serving other people. You get there through serving, by being last and servant of all. So the perspective that that we have to shift to is that true greatness is putting yourself in a position to serve, not in a position of praise. True greatness is putting yourself in a position to serve, not in a position of praise. Now that's totally different than the mindset of this world, right? It's so different. It's, it flips everything that this world says on its head. Hey, if you want to be great in this world, then go be better than everybody else. Use other people to make yourself look good. Go out and, and achieve more, do more, be more than everyone around you, and you will excel. Be faster, stronger, smarter, prettier, more elegant, whatever it is, be more than those around you and you'll be great. But the kingdom of God, he says, serve all those around you, become the least of all. And he will make you the first, he will make you the greatest. That the kingdom of God does not function like the kingdom of this world. That the perspective shift we need is that we need to serve. Now, he gives a little object lesson here, right? He's like, exhibit A. Children. Right? Like, you want to talk about service. Just hang around children a little bit. And you're going to know what service looks like. Like, they're always asking for something. Right? It's like, the moment they get out of bed, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Come wipe my bobo. Right? Like there's always service. Children take time. Have you ever gone anywhere with a child and done it real quick? <laughs> Never happens. Hey, we're going to run to the store real quick, like 75 minutes later. Right? Like you're like, nothing happens real quick. Hey, put your shoes on real quick. Like, which foot? Right? Like, Nothing happens quick. There's time that's involved. There's energy that's involved. I still sometimes have these high ambitions. I'm like, I'm going to read this book when I get home or work on this when I get home. And after I put the kids to bed, and by the time the kids are in bed, I'm like, please, someone don't wake me up for the next 12 hours. (laughs) Like, you're just done. Like, energy just sucked out of you. Just, like, gone. Why? because you're serving. Time, energy, money. Children are crazy expensive. They grow out of pants like every two weeks. You're like, please stop growing. You're expensive and you eat nonstop. And like all these things take money. And you keep asking more. And I hear that it just gets worse the bigger they get, right? It's like little money now, big money when they get big. And so some of y'all are like, yeah, college. Ah, children are expensive. Children take energy. Children take time. And the interesting thing about children is they, they give no status or power back to you. As you lay your life down for them, it's not like they're like, oh, oh, check out my mom and dad. They're the best. They're like hanging out with their friends and they're like, my mom and dad's better than yours. Check them out. Right? They're like, "Ugh, they said no again. Ugh, they said I have to pay for it myself. Right? Like there's no status or power that they give back to you as you serve and lay your life down for them. There's an incredible calling, Right? to lay your life down for them, that you sacrifice for them, that you serve them, not because of what they give back to you. Now, hopefully, they'll take care of me one day, right? Hopefully. But but Jesus is setting up this child in the midst of the disciples. Now, catch this. We don't know if it was one of their children or not, but that didn't matter. He sets up a child in front of them and says, Hey, If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, serve. Serve this one. Not because of the power or the status that it will give you, but because your Father in heaven is watching and he knows. Not because of the praise which it will garner you from those around you. Why are you laying your life down for that kid? But because your Father in heaven knows and sees, and the kingdom of heaven is different. The second perspective that we need to see in this that on how we relate to children is, comes in verse 36 and 37. It says this, and he took a child and he put him in the midst of them and taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So Jesus has this child and he sets him in front of him and then he takes him in his arms and he says, "Okay, so so let me show you what this is, that whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, that in receiving a child, you receive Jesus. But there's a qualifier right in my name that this is beyond just compassion. The secular world will look at children that are starving and they can throw up a picture and they can throw out some statistics and they can throw out some things. And let's thank God that that stirs people's hearts for compassion, right? That when we see children in need, when we see people in need, that that there is something that stirs compassion even in those who do not trust in Jesus or follow Jesus. Who do not have the Holy Spirit to guide and correct and to convict them and to stir them. That's just a common grace that God stirs people in that way. But this is something different beyond just the human compassion. This is in Jesus' name. That when you receive a child in Jesus' name, in his name, for his glory, not for my own praise, not because I'm a good person, but because of what Christ has done in me. Because of the compassion which he has shown me, I now live it out to others in his name for his glory. Then there's something incredible that happens. That There's this parallel that goes, when you receive a child, it's representative of receiving Christ. And receiving Christ is representative of receiving the Father. So when we receive a child we receive God the Father. Now, this is a huge perspective shift. What if every child that you see in need had the face of Jesus? That's what he's saying here. That if you see God the Father, if you see Jesus the Son on every face of the child in need and you say, Jesus, because of what you've done for me, I'm living Sold out gratitude for you. Jesus, because of the blessings which you have poured in my life, I'm laying my life down for you. There is no cost too expensive. There is nothing that's so inconvenient to stop me from serving you and laying my life down for you. Christ, because of the mercy which you have shown me, that you looked at me and while I was sinning against you, you had compassion and you said, I'm going to die and pay for the sins that you're committing. And now, as we see the face of Christ on everyone in need and we go, that's how I'm going to live. There's a perspective shift that happens, right? That it's no longer just because they're needy. It's no longer just because of compassion. It's now fueled by the gospel. That our love and service to others is fueled because of what Christ has done in us. And we're living it out back for him. That there's a perspective shift that happens. And so here's the perspective that in receiving children in Jesus' name, it is receiving God. So this isn't just compassion. Yes, we ought to be compassionate people because God has shown us extraordinarily undeserved compassion in Christ. But this is more than just compassion. There's power and importance to living out our Christian faith in the name of Christ in the most tangible ways of care for those because it's doing it to God. Like your service Your actions are done to God. Now, if you're a Bible reader, then this may cause you to think of another passage. Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is speaking and it's coming to the end of his ministry. And Jesus tells them this in verse 31. It says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne. This kingdom is fully ushered in when the Son of Man sitting on his throne in all of his glory. And here's what he's going to say. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and put the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right. Now catch this. Those, the sheep. This is what the king's going to say to him. The king sitting on his throne in all of his glory. This is what he's going to say. Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Come, inherit the kingdom. This has been prepared for you since the foundation of the world. Come inherit it. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came and visited and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord. When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king, the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. The king will say. You came and pled my case. As a CASA representative. For me, when I had no voice or anyone to represent me, you came for me. He'll say, you came and gave me a food at the friendship house. Don't you remember? You brought that food up there and I was hungry. Oh, don't you remember that you, you brought a winter coat to me? Because I was cold and y'all, y'all provided some coats for me. Oh, don't you remember that, that you did that sponsorship that gave me food and education and medical attention? Oh, don't you remember that, that as you served, as you went to the crisis pregnancy center and you told my mom that I was worth it, that I was made in the image of God, that I was worth it? Don't you remember you pled my case? Don't you remember? He did it to me. You See, when we serve in Jesus' name, the scripture tells us we do it to God. That it's for him. It's to him. Jesus says when the king of kings is sitting on his throne, in all of his glory, He's going to say, don't you remember when you served me? You did it to me. You see, the perspective we have is, oh, well, it's not that inconvenient. Well, we get, I mean, we can afford that. Well, we can do that. It's a good thing to do. But God's perspective, as we do it in Jesus' name, for his glory, we do it unto him. There's not a distinction. He says, you did it to me. You see, this is a perspective shift that changes the way we serve others. This isn't just fleshly compassion. This is action fueled by the gospel. Fueled by what Christ has done in us that we live all for Him. The perspective of the kingdom of God is not that true greatness comes through positions of praise, but that it comes through service of all. And that as we serve in the name of Christ, we do it to the Father. A commentator said it so beautifully. He said, There is no point at being at Jesus' side unless one is humble enough to be at the child's side no point in set next to Jesus' side if you won't sit next to a child because Jesus says, that child, as you serve them, you do it unto me. So if you won't serve a child unto me, then you won't serve me. The rest of the passage in Matthew 25 is the opposite side of that, where people say, well, Jesus, if, it, if I would have seen it was you, I would have done it. Jesus, if I would have known it was you, and he goes, no, 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 no. that's not the way the kingdom of God works. He says, depart from me, I never knew you. He's like, if you would have known it was me, it was me. The image of God in each and every human being. The good news of what Christ has done in and through us permeates and transforms us to be ministers of the grace that we have received. Let's be a people who stop trying to receive praise in the service of men and start receiving God in the service of children. That as we serve and lay our life down, we do it unto the Lord. You're going to have an opportunity today. We've got a sponsorship program set up out here. The first service um, was incredible. That we had 25 kids out there. And I think there's like four left. So um, what we would love is if God stirs your heart to be a part of that sponsorship program through Global Fingerprints. It's a partnership. We've got some missionaries sent out from our church, Matt and Angie Johnson, who are living in Panama and serving through this program, empowering the local church to minister in their community, to love children and to provide for children. And so they are serving in that way Anibal and Eldamira are church planters in that community. And so they are, they are seeking to use this program to, to shine the light of the gospel into these homes to these children who don't know Christ. And so there's a sponsorship program. If there's no more cards out there, we would love for you to just sign your name and email. And as children become available in the program, we'll let you know um, if you would be interested in sponsoring that. But there's four more children out there that, that need sponsors. And that's a very practical way for you to be involved, to put this into motion. There's other practical ways in the, the Norse Ferry this week at, then we have listed out some different organizations for you to be involved in. Some of you are already involved and you're you're doing a ton. And that's incredible. And many people in this room may not know, and I may not know what you're doing. Maybe it's with a family member that you're caring for, maybe it's a neighbor that you're caring for. Maybe it's, it is one of these organizations. But I'm reminded of the, just the overwhelming sense of the statistics of around the world of children that die from hunger or from not clean water or from just basic medical attention, and it's overwhelming. Overwhelming. I mean, one of the statistics is like that, that in Kenya... of the population is 15 or younger. I mean, just think about that. 50% of the population is 15 or younger. The mortality rate among children in, in these other countries is just through the roof. And it's overwhelming. So I don't want you to feel overwhelmed about this or burdened in the sense of like, it all falls on you. I'm reminded of just the simple little story of a child walking down the beach with his dad and all these starfish had been washed up. And he was like, dad, what's going to happen to all these starfish? And the dad was like, well, when the sun comes out, then they're probably going to die because they'll get hot and dry up and they'll die. And the little kid was just burdened and broken and crying and like, dad, but they can't all die. He's like, well, son, look, like you, you can't save them all. And the little kid picked one up. He said, no, but I can save this one. And he put it back in the sea. And he picked up another one and he said, but I can save this one. And he put it back in the sea. You don't have the responsibility to save everyone. But God does have a calling for you. He does have something for you to do. Whether that's a sponsorship out here whether that's the encouragement for a neighbor, whether that's getting involved through CASA and pleading for a kid's case, whether that's crisis pregnancy center, whatever that is, he has a call for you. This is God's heart for the fatherless. And as those who have been lavishly blessed by the grace of God, we have a calling to live it out. So I don't know what the Lord's called you to, but he's called you to something. And my encouragement for you is for your good and for his glory, let's walk in obedience. Let's be people who live out the gospel. That as we do that, then there's a light that shines to the people around us that says there's hope in the midst of hopelessness. That your valley is not too deep for the grace of God. That your situation is not hopeless. Because we know one who can bring hope to the hopeless. So let's live out our calling. Whatever it is, I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to, to work. But whatever it is that God's called you to, take the steps of obedience. It's what's good for us. For his glory, for our good, and that the world might know his name. Let's pray. God, we... Thank you for your word that shows us your heart. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that convicts us. Lord, that wakes us up out of our sleep and stupor that we so quickly fall into. Lord, that stirs afresh the flame of passion. That reminds us of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. That he canceled our certificate of debt. He said it's paid. Paid in full. Now go and live as a child of the king. Lord, I pray that you would just move in a powerful way. Lord, that we would know clearly the path which you have for us. Lord, we know that this is your heart. Lord, would you direct us and guide us that we would be put into service for you? That we would be those broken vessels that show such a valuable treasure of the hope of the gospel. Lord, would you help us to love these children well? Not loving them out of a fleshly compassion, but loving them as the face of Christ on their face. That as we receive them, we receive you. Lord, and just the incredible cherry on top, the blessing that you say that one day when you sit on your throne, then you will say, come, inherit what is yours. For you did this unto me. Lord, would you help us to walk in obedience to what you called us to. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at NorrisFerryChurch.org.